what's up, Catella Chronicles fans? Dominic Lorenz here with you for another episode of the Catella Chronicles podcast with your host, as always, Dominic Lorenz. Now, typically, it's David Goodkind as my co-host, but David had some things he's got to do. He'll be on part two of this episode. We're trying a little bit something new right now because we have a terrific guest and co-host for part one of episode number 16. I turn it over to our wonderful friends and partners over at Halos in the Infield, Todd Fox in the house for part one. Todd, how's it going, my brother? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Dominique? Hey, can't complain. The Angels taking two or three from the White Sox. We're still hanging above 500. We can take a, a semi side of relief for the moment. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, it seems like we've had added pressure all season. We're kind of, you know, this is the earliest we've looked at the standings for a while, but you see the competition in the East, you see the competition in our own division, and you, you can't help but say, hey, man, what's this team doing? What's this team doing? And you hope that you're playing Rally Chris specials of two out of three to keep pace. Well, the proverbial monkey is off the Angels' backs right now because at this time last year, the Angels were in the midst of that nasty double-digit losing streak that we want to forget about after an incredible April and early month of May. The team just, boom, sunk to the bottom of the ocean. They've mm -hmm. gotten a couple wins here at the end of May. So we can forget all about that old-fashioned losing streak that derailed 2022. So that, as I said, per proverbial monkey is off the back for now. True, true. And, and, and right now, I mean, like this team's just got to focus in on on being se semi-consistent. And, you know, and then we've been saying th and throwing that word around for the last two, three seasons. You know, ever since I met you, that, that's that's the one thing we've been wanting to do is just be consistent. And, and uh, we're hoping that this team can finally turn that page and become that team because the talent is there. Yeah, consistency and depth has been the two biggest items for the Angels that we've been harping on for a very long time. I know my normal co-host, David, he's always about depth, depth, depth. And the Angels addressed that this offseason, and we'll get into this later in, in part one of the podcast, how that depth has really helped the Angels so far through the first two months of this season. But before we get into everything, because we got a juicy first part of this episode here for you, the fans, on episode number 16, want to remind you, don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe everything for Catella Chronicles, our website, www.catellachronicles.wordpress.com, and you can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Catella underscore C-H-R-O-N. And I know Todd's got some wonderful things for Halos in the infield, the promo as well. Yeah, just real quick, if you guys want to get tickets at a lower price, it's always a good time to with Halos in the infield. Just put H-I-T-I -I upon checkout under the apply code now. You get 10% off no matter what you're getting. It's not just one ticket for one uh, specific program or game or a concert. It's for every time you use our code, you get 10% off. You get an additional 5% for the next time. So you just keep racking up the dough. Plus, you get entered in to win a free jersey courtesy of Halos in the Infield, also Catella Chronicles, and 714 Tickets. And with our partnership with 714 Tickets and also Catella Chronicles, and you mentioned either one of those or Halos in the Infield, when you go to Noble L Brewery, you get a dollar off of any kind of pint there. So, hey, if you're thirsty, there you go. Let the good times roll. Todd has been doing a fantastic job with Halos in the infield, getting some terrific sponsorship, not only for Halos in the infield, but allowing everybody under the Heaty umbrella to reap those benefits as well. And I know Catella Chronicles is thrilled to have Heaty as a terrific partner here with Angels Baseball. And, you know, Todd likes a, a little Ducks hockey every once in a while in the fall. So that always is a benefit as well. Love the Ducks hockey. I just was so disappointed we didn't get the number one draft pick, but that's a story for another day. If you listen to the last podcast episode, David and I had a very salty response to everything that happened. You know, Ducks fans that listen to the podcast, you all know that we do not have any love for the Chicago Blackhawks or Gary <laughs> Bettman or anybody affiliated with that lottery cheap shot of a draft. So in the past, get the number two pick, move on for the future if you're the Ducks. But before we... You know, before we get into even more Angel stuff, Todd and I have a wonderful announcement that we want to break for the first time on a podcast here today. Circle your calendars. Friday, June the 9th, the Angels take on the Seattle Mariners at home. It's Apple TV Plus's Game of the Week. So our very own Mr. Wayne Randazzo will be on the call for that one. So he gets to stay in Anaheim for a weekend. 
Um, but just like last year, in the anniversary of that original live stream, actually is June 1st, which when we record this podcast is technically tomorrow because it's the last day of May now, but that's all schematics. Todd and I are going to be sitting down once again for another Angels live stream event on the Heaty YouTube channel. It's going to be a fantastic night. We're going to be calling the Angels and Mariners game. So if you don't have Apple TV, you can come on to the Halos in the Intro YouTube page. Follow us. I am going to be in studio with mm-hmm. Todd for the very first time. That's exciting for me. Um, it's going to be a great night of calling the game. I know it will be some good promotions with 714 Tickets, Noble Ale Works, and much, much more, as well as some potential giveaways as well. Todd, you know, first off, cheers for uh, doling out the studio for <laughs> for 6-9, wink, wink, and, and much, much more. So what do you think? The live stream is going to happen once again. Yeah, I'm really excited. I thought, you know, last year we kind of got robbed uh, with that game. We had all the right setup, and the game just did not uh, go the way we thought it would. So it was more garbage time, but we appreciated everyone that was on last year. I think we're going to get a lot more people this year. Obviously, the YouTube page has grown, and the more people you can bring over from Catella, the better. And, you know, if, uh, you know, you called a great game last year, you do that in your spare time also for work. So, I mean, hey, man, Dominic's got the golden voice. I'm just there to, uh, ch- uh, what is it, uh, just chime in every now and then. You'll and be my color guy for the night. There you go. <laughs> you know, like, I'll, I'll be your gooby. I'll try to break down the pitches and stuff. But, you know, it, it, it's going to be fun. I'm really looking forward to it. Having you in studio for the first time uh, is going to be awesome. We'll have the TV right here to watch it live, and then we'll have the stat cast on one side, our mugs on the other side, and we'll be calling the game live. So uh, there you go. Turn down your TV like old school and listen to us. The sultry sound of Dom and Todd is going to be what's going to be going <laughs> down on June 9th. It's going to be a it's going to be a great night. So glad we're hoping this is going to be the first of many more this season and hopefully in the future. I know, as Todd already mentioned, yes, in my spare time, I do broadcasting at the high school and minor league level. So my time recently has been very stretched out. But now that summer kids are on vacation you know, June, July, and August are going to be some good months for me to sink my teeth and once again to some more broadcasting with Todd and Halos in the infield. So Catella Chronicles and Halos in the infield, reuniting once again on the YouTube page. Reunited and it feels so good. But one last thing I got to say, Dominique, is on on that ninth and maybe a few Fridays looking ahead, if we're able to make this a thing or at least a once a month, twice a month type deal, I'm down because – there's a lot of people that don't like Patrick O'Neill. <laughs> so, stuck... Yeah, now that you mention it, you know, Patio is not a beloved character in the Angels. You know, personally, I got nothing against the guy. I love a guy that shows emotion, which is great. But I know maybe it, you know, it's 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 a tale of two cities for some people. But if Fridays is the way to go, you know, who knows? Fans, let us know what you want after June 9th. If you if you love the sultry sounds of Dom and Todd, maybe that's the name of the the live stream. We're going to keep rolling with some Fridays or weekends uh, with Casey and Heidi. So we'll kind of feel it out, but I'm always down. I know Todd's always down. Again, look at the beautiful studio he's got behind him. It's been, I don't want to say new and improved, but updated and improved through the off season and, and early portion of 2023. There's there's much more room in here. It's more soundproof. I got better equipment, and there's a fridge next door with loaded with beer. So we'll, <laughs> we can oh, uh, part This could be a very, very, very interesting night. And for the fans that might not look on future projections or especially on the Angels page on ESPN.com, they show a buttload of pitching probables for like a good 10 days. Mm -hmm. As of right now, June 9th, Apple TV Game of the Week, which is our live stream, the pitching matchup is projectedly to be between Luis Castillo for the Mariners against Shohei Otani of the Angels. So we might get lucky as long as Phil Nevin isn't a numb nut and changes the rotation by any means necessary. We could be calling an Otani game, which would be nice for ratings. I will say that. I will say that as well, because Luis Castillo is one of those guys we wanted from when the page was incepted that we really wanted uh, as an angel pitcher. He, he was dangled out there. There was trade proposals, but it just never went through. Now he's pitching for the bad guys, and he's pitching really good. And we know what Otani brings to the table. So, yeah, that is going to be two heavyweights going toe-to-toe. So I'm if that is the matchup, and like you said, philosophy doesn't mess it up, 
I like what the game we're going to call. It's going to be much better than last year's. Let's just say that. Yeah, and nothing against last year's call. It was the Angels at the Astros. It started off great. I predicted a Shohei home run in the first inning, the pitch before, and boom, when we thought we had the luck. And then a bad second or third inning for our good old friend Michael Lorenzen while his mom was on <laughs> Zoom. I We felt internally so bad that she had to endure that, and you heard it in her voice. She was like, I'm glad to be here, but I want to throw a TV against the wall. And props to Cheryl Lorenzen for sticking around that long with us that night. Yeah, last thing I'll say about that game is I remember just wanting that ending to end so bad. I was like, bro, this is taking way too long. Get that third out already. Uh, we, we endured some pain last year, not just during the losing streak, during the live stream, and much after that. But uh, looking for better times, regardless of how it goes, it's, it's our first live stream of the 2023 season. Looking for more, but you always got to start at one. And June 9th on the Heaty YouTube page, Todd's going to be our, the tech guru, getting everything done. I'll be in studio. We'll have a nice pregame show. We'll go through the, the play-by-play coverage. And, of course, we'll kind of streamline into Todd's postgame show. So it's going to be a fantastic night for baseball, for Catella Chronicles and Heaty. All of that aside, we're going to start promoting it in a couple of days on social media and throughout next week. So like, comment, subscribe, share it out, get everybody onto the page. We want the views. No offense to Wayne Randazzo. He gets enough views from the East Coast fan bias. We want the Angel fans on our page or Heedy's page that night. But enough of the, you know, the business at hand. We'll sweep that under the rug. Business at Mm -hmm. hand. Check that off the list. Let's get to some Angel baseball. They just take two of three from the Chicago White Sox. Game three, the series finale this afternoon in a big 12-5 victory. Home runs a palooza. Chicks dig the long ball. <laughs> and there was a bunch of highs and a couple of lows in this series. Why not? Let's start off with the highs. The Angels crack out nine home runs over the three games. Otani and Ward come to life. Mike Trout a little bit as well. Overall thoughts, we'll start off of the Chicago series for you, Todd, taking two of three from the Southsiders. Pretty good high. Uh, you know, I, I, was in, I was impressed by the bullpen work, except for Tucker Davidson today. But for the most part, the bullpen work looked, uh, and, and, you know, I would say Tyler Tyler Anderson and uh, Tucker, outside of that, I like the bullpen. Um, like you said, Trout got on, uh, got a, a, a key hit in the game one. Sorry, I'm starting so much. Um, and then you had Otani getting going there. Um, you had productive outs by Gio Urshela. Uh, Thice continues to hit. Um, you know, you you just had some very nice at bats in game one and three. I'll say that as much. Uh, but but I did like the way Jaime pitched today. Um, you know, and and the bullpen. What more can you say about Ben Joyce? And you know, I was kind of scared. You know, like feeling like, oh, my God, they're going to bring in Joyce in a one-run game. You know, where, where I'm used to is Socha and other managers saying, okay, bring in a guy like this in a game like today when you have a big lead. You know, let him pitch, get some work in. But they put him in a high-pressure situation, and he dominated. And, and, you know, and he threw his first two pitches at about 102 and got strikes, pinpointed accuracy, like we've been scared and hearing differently in the minors. But he threw that third pitch, which is 87 mile per hour slider. And the dude just did a nice job of putting it into center field. And then something changed, whether it was Thice or him. And he just decided, you know what? I'm going fastball. You can't catch it. Prove me wrong. And he got the next three guys. And that was great. I thought that he looked really ready for that moment. And I was really encouraged by that. That's the one thing I like about Phil Nevin's philosophy, quote unquote that he has no problem throwing guys in the fire. And Mm -hmm. sometimes it is trial by fire, and we've seen it gone the absolute negative way. But Ben Joyce is a proper example of it going in the right direction with the right mindset, with the right kid to do so. We've we've heard all about Zach Neto when they drafted him. We heard about Ben Joyce, and we've heard all about Sam Bachman. Guess what? All three of those guys are wearing the angel red and white right now. And even though Bachman didn't have a terrific, fabulous shout from the rooftops debut, he still went in there, got the job done, got a couple of punch outs. Joyce keeps a close game close in the Angels' favor. And Neto, well, he's not Tim Anderson to all those folks (laughs) that think 
Tim Anderson's the call to the angels, but all three of those guys, that's what they have. Similarly, they were trial by fire, but so far they've come out in the positive direction. So there's a lot of not so great things to say about Phil Nevin early on through the first two months of the season, but that's one thing I'll give him credit for this season. Kind of like I did last year with Phil Nevin. He would go out to the mound. If it was a pitcher kind of pump him up, let him work out of his own thing. And if it worked out great, if it didn't, well, you got to give these guys chances. They're million-dollar baseball players. You can't treat them with kid gloves. They got to go out there and earn their money and get those wins. He did that last year, and he's doing it this year. Instead of with the veterans, he's doing it with the young kids. So I will take that any day of the week from a manager supporting his players. That's, the you know, where's your honk? That's my halo honk uh, little button for <laughs> Phil Nevin. Okay. <laughs> I'll have to fire that up. I had that off since the post game. Let me get it over right here. I'll give you the uh... – the, the exploratory. There we go. <laughs> there See, there's there's the the little half you know exploratory little halo honk moment of the <laughs> podcast here in part one, but it is true. I I really enjoyed seeing Ben Joyce, and I'll eat a little crow on Ben Joyce because we're gonna dish out some crow to other people in in our favor in, in a little bit. I thought Ben Joyce was gonna be a guy maybe we wouldn't see till September. Me too. Give him more time at double A and potentially triple A. He was playing in college last year in the college playoffs yeah. against Zach Neto when Zach Neto was at Campbell and, and Joyce was with Tennessee. So barely a year removed from college, he goes straight to double A, absolutely goes crazy with maybe some walk issues, but comes to the major leagues in his first appearance and potentially almost got in two days in a row, but the situation didn't work out in the game two loss to the White Sox. He comes in, fires over 100 miles an hour, consistently paints the outside corners, which is deadly, which I don't think the Angels have seen somebody paint the corners at that speed. Maybe, and this is a shot in the dark, prime Ernesto Frieri. Remember when he could gauge 98 to crispin 100 a little bit right after we got him from the Padres? True. That kind of gave me that feeling a little bit. So for Joyce to come in, do his business, I'm all for it. You know, I'll eat crow on that one. I said he should stay down until September. Call him up now because definitely this bullpen needs to work, especially with loop diddy loop not working <laughs> out well. To pair it to pair it to the track wall and gone. And unfortunately, a big gut punch of Matt Moore going to be shelved for at least a month with that grade two oblique strain. Yeah, I mean that that was tough too. I mean the first one was losing Kehada, but you found out who Estevez was after that. But you had more and more was just doing his thing, Mr. Reliable. And they were bringing it up in the postgame show. Hey, how would you do a philosophy only pitching these guys one night? And I said, well, you know, if a Ben Joyce can do what he did in Chicago and be cons- anywhere consistent with that moving forward, you know, maybe you go Estevez one night for a save uh, being set up by Moore when he's healthy and then go Ben Joyce setting up Davinsky for the next save if you don't want to pitch Estevez. And that's what I wanted to touch on before we move on. Yeah. Three other guys that I was really impressed with in this weekend series and even against the Marlins, Chris Davinsky's been a godsend since he's been called up and, and brought off the, the scrap heap. you got Webb, who's also pitched very good. You know, he had that one hiccup where he gave up the two-run homer, and even that was a pitch down in, in out of the zone, and the, the hitter just did a great job with it. I mean, he's he's pitched really good. And then Silseth, you know, you ask him to go to, uh, you know, the back end or you bring him into the bullpen. I know he, he pitched a little, you know, gave up a, a, you know, was a little wobbly the other night, gave up a run. But for the most part, he's been good. So, I mean, the in, the new reconstructed bullpen, Dominique, what do you think about it? I'm loving it. Uh, you know, shout out to Davinsky, Cal State Fullerton alum. Congratulations to him. You know, coming over from the Astros to the Angels, staying in the AL West, familiar with this territory. And he started the year at AAA and he was dominating AAA because he's a major league talent, but the Angels really had something in him, but it didn't really fit because Jimmy Hergett was up here at the beginning of the year. Tapera was healthy. Well, with Hergett being whippity flop between Salt Lake and here, Davinsky got his opportunity and, and, and sidebar and Jimmy Hergett, you know how big of a Jimmy Hergett fan I am. And mm-hmm. I'm a little upset that the angels are somewhat misusing him a little bit, but they want him to work on some stuff. So hopefully it works out. Cause I do believe Jimmy Hergett is a key piece to this angels bullpen. He's just got to figure it out a little more, but Davinsky has been a godsend 12 appearances in the month of May with the sub two and a half ERA 
coming out in clutch spots and six consecutive appearances without allowing an earned run. He has the most inherited runners on base when he comes into pitch in his first month with the Angels. <laughs> Said that right there. You know, inherited runners have always been a thing for the Angels bullpen because we've always had starters that can't get out of the fourth inning or the fifth inning or go deep or even get that third and final out and cause, you know, okay, he got one out in the sixth. There's two on, one out, got to bring somebody in. The Angels are always a, a mark of tradition. And, and our lovely friend Courtney was telling us about that in the group chat. I don't know if you saw it during today's game. Why is it so hard for the Angels to get that third and final out in an inning, especially after either tying or getting the lead the half inning prior? It's, it's mind-boggling at times. But Davinsky has been A-plus solid. I was at the first game against Boston of the homestand. And he came in after Berea was pulled and Luke got into some trouble. Boom, boom, boom. Four batters, four outs, multiple strikeouts. He's got that tough-as-nails mentality. And right now, if Joyce is going to be here to stay and they're not going to play the swing game, I really think you can solidify the back end of the bullpen when healthy, when on their game the right way. Davinsky, Joyce, Estevez. And I would keep Joyce in the eighth inning right now. I don't want to build him up too much. Mm -hmm. You know, Estevez has pretty much locked in that closer role. He's had some moments where it's like, easy yeah. does it. Easy does it. Let's not get too crazy. But we have seen him strike out a side, ball game over, and it's been great. So Davinsky seventh, Joyce eighth, Estevez in the ninth. When healthy and when sharp, I'm not complaining. I won't say anything. This bullpen will be much improved. And when you get more back healthy to be that middle relief swing guy, Anything else at that point, I would say, you know, one or two pieces need to come along. But this bullpen has looked much improved when on with those three guys. And and what I take out of all the names that you just dropped, either that are in the minors or or going to be moved up and down, because obviously you got to make places when these guys come back in. But you got Webb, you got, you got uh, Weiss. Uh, there's, there's other pitchers, too, that have done decently for the Angels that what are we talking about? depth and we'll get into that later like you said but that's a good thing to have it's a good problem to have because now maybe we can get those bridge gaps from the starters to that eighth inning and ninth inning to where we know hey about 80 percent of the time we're going to win now or higher a percentage to win instead of having what 11 blown games in about 28 uh chances after the seventh inning which is i think somewhere in the top five of most in the league so we want to stay away from that because obviously we could have a far better record had we closed out those games the proper way with a better bullpen. You know, right now with the Angels, I would say 85 to 90% of the games so far this season have been pitchers' faults that the Angels have lost those tight games. The offense was something coming into the season that I was absolutely not worried about when everybody was hot. Even when Otani and Trout were struggling for the last couple of weeks, the supportive depth pieces like Thice, like Neto, Urshela, you name it, they have stepped up in a very big way. And that has really helped this Angels offense because if Trout and Otani were down last year, the year before, this team would probably be six, seven, eight games under 500 at this point. Mm -hmm. Instead, we're a plus three, which is not great in comparison to how strong Houston is now gaining and Texas has been all season. So it's kind of a catch-22 but I'd rather be plus three than minus eight in the games back department or the 500 record department. So when you look at it as a whole, I can trust in Let's say in a 10 game span, I can for sure say eight to nine out of the 10 games, the offense is going to get five or more runs in a game. It's is the pitching going to hold up if it's the bullpen side of things, or is it the starter side of things? Who's going to have the good day? Because you know, in angels lore and tradition, Hitting and pitching cannot be the same on the same day. <laughs> I think the last time we got that was the Detmers no-hitter last year. That was probably the yeah. last time we purely had a phenomenal pitching and hitting showcase from the Angels. So when you put it all together, top to bottom, offense doesn't worry me. When we had that struggle against Miami, yeah, did it suck to get swept? And especially against a 500 team like Miami, yes. But the pitching was pretty good. And you know the hitting, what goes around comes around, and we saw it here. Six runs on Monday. Yes, Tuesday was a kind of a 
yikes piece, but then dropping 12 runs today, the Angels can score in bunches, and they can do it early and often. And they've scored early in a game a lot this season. So pitching just has to figure it out, and you go through your stride each and every game at that point. From now, June 1st and into the future, probably till the trade deadline to see where the Angels will be at. Absolutely. I mean, we haven't seen this team at 100%. All year, we still have it. I mean, while she comes back, Rendon goes down. Um, you know, so so we're waiting for you know if if the keys to this team, you know, we know what we're gonna get from Trout and Otani, but you get the guys like Drury getting hot. Renfro went ice cold in the month of May, was our hottest hitter in April. He's kind of gone on uh, just opposite of what he usually is in May. He's usually hot, but now they're saying you know he's get ready for a, a breakout June. I'd love it. Welcome it because, you know, Rendon gets back. Let's face it. You're not happy with the home run production, the RBI, but he's getting sacrifices. He's walking. Um, he's getting on base. He's figuring it out. He's getting singles. Okay, fine. He's not that hitter that we thought, but if he's given us what he did before he got hurt, limit the errors. Again, Ward getting hot, which was a plus in this series. If he can stay hot or just get his average over 250 again, because right now he's still struggling around 230, but it's those guys, you know, it's the Urshelas of the world who's been consistently just a, a all-around good hitter. And the emergence of Thice and Wallach uh, solidifying a catching position that we thought, damn, we're devastated after, you know, no Stassi all year, uh, Ohapi, great start, leading the team in home runs and RBIs, then Ohio has to have the surgery. So, I mean, there's a lot of positive. And then when I didn't even bring up Neto. Neto just stole the shortstop position from everybody and that guy you know even when he has an off night he's still productive because of his defense he's not just a, a squid who can make a couple plays yeah he saves a couple runs but he doesn't give you anything zach can draw the walk he can get hit he can get a hit and now he's starting to get some power as well so yeah you're right this team can score in, uh, in, in all kinds of runs and innings but it's just a consistency and I think I'm on to what you're uh, what you're selling as far as the pitching. The pitching is starting to settle down a bit, start getting a little bit more consistent. They're they they seem to be jumping ahead of the offense right now. And I think with the bullpen getting itself together, good things can happen. The, if if this team just plays, you know, how half it should be as far as their talent, you know, they score four to five runs, it could get us a lot more wins. Because uh, we'll be able to trust that back into the bullpen, not relying on Tapera and Loop and other guys who've come in and out of here. There's a lot of storylines that can really go with the Angels right now. You you named off a bunch right there. I won't repeat them, but this is where this team is. And for three games over 500, you would think the Angels only have three or four storylines that are kind of tipping out, balancing out. There's a lot of strong things. It's about getting it together and getting hot at the right time. And we say this every year, look at the Phillies last year. They got hot at the right time and ascended to the World Series. Even though they lost, they still made it a decent way. If, if you ask Philly fans, when, the, when they swept us at, at the you know, May-June time last year, you know we're not going to make the playoffs. We just fired a manager. We're six games under 500. Boom, 89 wins gets into the World <laughs> Series. Who would have that's baseball for you, folks? Like, hey, that's can, just can, how it is. Can they thank us for that, by the way? <laughs> Brandon Marsh, baby. Brandon freaking Marsh. <laughs> Jesus ascended down to Philadelphia for them. You're welcome, <laughs> Philly fans. But it, it it's true. There's so many storylines, and we'll put a, a pause on pitching for a minute because there's some unfortunate negative marks and some, and I don't want to say negative, let's say improvement marks the Angels need to make, okay. especially in the pitching for a minute. But let's give, it's time for us to take front seat for a minute. Todd and I, for the last two days, have been talking in our group chat and individually and basically not thrilled with the performances <laughs> of Ward and Otani. Can I, that's as clean of a way as I could say it right now. That's as uh, PC <laughs> as you can, yes. That's as PC as we can be. We are not thrilled with Ward and Otani over the past couple of weeks. Ward in a funk, Otani in a funk. We know how good and great they can be. Mm -hmm. Don't play that way. Go work your butt off, figure it out, and do the job. What happens after Todd and I, before game two of this three-game series against the White Sox, what happens? Otani has three home runs in two days. Two are the longest home runs at guaranteed rate fields history. Uh, Ward busts out with a two home run 
series. Um, yeah. So, Todd, would you like to have your Oscar acceptance speech right now for us contributing to Otani and Ward's rise back to fame? I would like to thank uh, Mr. Ward and Mr. Otani for listening to what we were spewing and and taking the criticism on the chin and realizing, hey, you know what? We're going to eat crow and we're going to hit some home runs for you and make you look better. So thank you, Mr. Ward, and thank you, Mr. Otani, because it was deserved that you guys got, got it going because how you guys go in the lineup is how this team can win games. And if Ward is up there in the cleanup spot where he was today or even at the leadoff spot, he's able to do half of what he's been up to lately because he wasn't living up to the billing. He was just an easy out, automatic out. But if he can make contact, just get on base, good things are going to happen behind him uh, in either way. Or he could be behind Otani and, and Trout and drive him in, and we're all going to scream. <laughs> See, there you go. See, right there. For my expectant speech, I'm going to tip my cap to everybody that's watching and listening. Uh, more so just tip of the cap to Todd because we were on the same wavelength about this. It, it's it's hard to see guys that we know that can deliver each and every game. They have the talent. They've shown it before. Slumps are never easy. Baseball is a game of adversity and slumps and finding your way out of that. Otani and Ward, hopefully the last 48 hours have really found their way. And it's a perfect timing to go into that Houston Astros four game set as hot as possible because we know the Angels do not have a great time at Minute Maid Park. It's just, it's been a struggle ever since the Astros came into the AL West. So get hot at the right time. Let's do it. So I will say Taylor Ward, I like him to the middle, to the bottom of the order to lengthen it out. Now that goes with saying Rendon is on the shelf right now on the IL. That's mm -hmm. the only kind of asterisk to that. The only problem is when you have Ward and Renfro in the same lineup and no Mickey Moniak, who's your leadoff hitter? Because I personally love Zach Neto in the nine hole. I think he's a terrific table center in the middle of the games, third inning and beyond to really get on base and reset that top of the order. So it's really hard to put Neto. He's really your only leadoff type player if Renfro and Warder in the game and not Moniak, who Moniak at this point would be the traditional leadoff hitter because you're not going to put Trout. You're not going to put Otani. We, we've tried those experiments before. Those days are behind us. And you're not going to put a Thice or a Wallach or a Jared Walsh in the leadoff spot. So the Angels, I would say, don't really have a true, true number one leadoff guy. But if Ward can do it on a consistent basis, I'm fine with Ward at the top spot. Yeah, the problem is he hasn't been able to. And between him and Renfro, they've been rolling into a lot of double plays. So, you know, we, we need to stay away from that as well. I would love – and see, the thing is, too, uh, Phil does not like uh, lefty on lefty, especially in the leadoff spot. So Moniak will get will lose at bats when that's the issue. Um, so that's where Ward has got to be key in coming out of this tailspin. And hopefully, like you said, he had a, a nice three-game series here against Chicago. Hopefully he could take that into Houston in that short perch and really help the Angels either bang one off that wall or hit it over. And uh, that would be nice. You know, they took advantage of the reverse split yesterday against Giolito early in the game, and, you know, it ended up being a loss. But you can see that. So if Ward is a traditionally a starter, but if he can be a starter slash role player when Nevin makes those philosophy moves of lefty versus lefty, righty versus righty, and so on and so forth, next man up mentality. If it's one day Mickey Moniak, if it's the next day Taylor Ward, be ready and drive in runs or get on base. Do what you got to do at this point while Rendon is still on the IL. You know, that we're saying this all, and, and to boot, Rendon has a 301 average, yeah. you know, which is the, with the crazy thing. I know he only has one home run. I'm not too concerned about the power. Like he doesn't have to be a 20 home run guy. Does his contract say he needs to be a, a 20 home run guy? Absolutely. Because you can debate whether his contract is the worst in angels history. I, that's a whole nother time, you know, in the grand scheme of angels baseball, but Rendon lengthens and balances a lineup. I've been a proponent about that. So getting him to stay healthy and just be a presence in that lineup. Even if he's 0 for 4, he can be like Gio Urshela. 
hit the ball the opposite way, treat it like a sacrifice bunt, sacrifice fly, situational hitting, get a walk. That's where he can really lengthen and give opportunity to this Angels lineup. And Renfro's not normally the cleanup guy. It's been Rendon. Renfro's yeah. after that. So who knows? Did that contribute to a Renfro hot April cold May? That that could go into the conversation as well. So there's a lot of key pieces in this Angels lineup from top to bottom. And with Perry Manassian adding to the infield depth, the Urshelas, the Drurys, the emergence of Zach Neto, Walsh returning, and he looks healthy, he looks happy, and he produced today with three RBIs. If you can get 2021 Walsh back, that's another key piece to this puzzle. And you're going to have yeah. to find spots in a lineup, basically nine spots for like 13 productive guys. That's not going to be an easy situation. But as we said, next man up mentality. And you know what? That's opposite of last year. I keep referring to last year, but last year we had nine spots for three guys <laughs> that, you know, three guys that were capable of taking those nine spots. The rest were all trash. But yeah, I agree. And you know what? One thing I liked today was two good hits by Walsh that if the shift were available this year would have been out. But that's where he was taking advantage of the shift not being there. Kudos to him because there's nothing. I mean, it's not like we don't like the guy. We'd love for Walsh to be good. And as far as your your uh, your notes on Rendon, you were great with that because, again, if if this is the Rendon we're going to see that's hitting 300, if this is a guy who's going to get on base in front of Trout and, and Otani or behind them, drive them in, because he does still lead the team with the amount of time he's missed with sacrifice RBIs. He's got 15. 15 of his 20 some odd RBIs are sacrifices, and that's him just being a good hitter saying, okay, like you said, we have second and third. Let me fly one out to center with one out. Let me ground to the right side, get the out, score the runner from third. That's, I mean, I'll take that any day than a strikeout. I mean, we saw enough strikeouts and leaving guys and runners in scoring position. So, yeah, I mean, if we're, if we're overpaying for him to do that, if as long as we're winning, I can swallow that pill. And that's where I'm going to give props. Before before we hit the record button, I was trying to remember off the top of my mind the Angels hitting coach. New hitting coach, Marcus uh, Thames. Thames, yeah. Thames, he has done a phenomenal job in one specific category that grinded our gears all last year. <laughs> Strikeouts. Yes. The theme of it's better to strike out than ground into a double play. And that horrible post-game press conference, I forget what game it was, from Sorrento and Reed and Nevin saying, oh, yeah, I agree with that. I'm so glad those days are hopefully over. Now, he's done a terrific job with the depth of this team and fix, fixing things. Look how quick the Phillies fixed Brandon Marsh after the trade deadline last year. Boop, it happened fast. Brandon Drury struggles in April. Back half of April and all of May, Drury's a whole different player. Now he's got to get on his horse and help Renfro get right and get some other guys right. But you're seeing those mid-game, mid-month, mid-series changes in players' batting approaches. Now, in the month of May, the Angels went 15 and 13. They had 254 strikeouts, which is top 10. Okay, not great. But if you look at April, they only had about 220, and they were... 20th or less in the strikeout category. Again, the lower the placement you are, the better. You don't want to be number one in strikeouts, which nope. the Angels were constantly top five every month last year with the Squiddy Poos of the world and no offense to the Phil Goose Gosselins of the world that were just swinging and missing. Different mindset, different coach, different mentality. The Angels are putting the ball in play and like we see from Gio Rochella. Yeah, he goes one for four, but two of his hits contribute to getting them around the base and getting some insurance runs or whatever the case may be. So top to bottom, I love what Thames has done with the hitting, and we've harped on it enough beautifully here in the part one of episode 16 of the Catella Chronicles podcast. This offense is something to behold. You know, like the Boston Celtics said before game four of the Eastern Conference Finals, don't give us one game, even though they lost the series. That's not getting a basketball here. But even though they didn't win the series, they at least made it exciting and went to seven games. And that's what the Angels are doing. The offense is really exciting when they are on. Yeah, and this is something that I think you can agree with me on is I don't think, you know, I clearly think we the best we have not seen yet. I think the best is yet to come with this offense. 
you know, um, where where I'd like to see them improve too is stealing bases. They've got the guys and the dogs to steal bases. Uh, I know it would help to have Renifo be more prominent in the lineup because I know he takes off a lot. But Moniak, I'd like to see him run a lot. He's, you know, in his opportunities, he's had done that. Otani's been surprising. But you got zero from Trout, which is kind of disappointing. I'd like to see him run. I mean, he wears the protection to run, but doesn't take advantage of it. Uh, there is a lot of guys on this team that could steal some bases, and I just think, you know, we're, we're at the bottom, and, and we could really make things work if we were to hit and run a little bit more, if we were to steal bases, put more pressure on the pitchers. And then, of course, that thing that escapes Nevin's mouth, which is it's, it's sort of like him. You know how like a man can't say a certain word to a woman? Well, Nevin can't say a certain word, and that's bunt. He, <laughs> he just he, he can't muster to say it. It's true. So, it's 100% true. Small ball is not in the philosophy dictionary this year. It's not. It's been X'd out. You know how like some of those dictionaries, we take words out of the dictionary and we add them. Well, Bunt was not one of the ones we kept for sure. And uh, we, we don't do that. And I think that if we worked on that, so many situations where we're first and second to avoid double plays that we've been hitting into would be X'd out if we were to Bunt and sacrifice and, and make it work. So you're, you're given these runs and you should be able to take advantage of it. And I think that's what needs to change too. If anything needs to be worked on, I think it's the small ball aspect of this team, because uh, like what you were saying, these hitters have been hitting a lot better under Thames and they've been doing a lot better in the box. One thing that I have noticed, especially over the last homestand that, you know, it sometimes you do it and it maybe doesn't click instinctively that moment that you do it. It might take a couple of games or a couple of weeks for it to set in. Have you noticed the Angels are taking more outside batting practice than they have been over the past couple of seasons? Yes. Like, you know, Otani's doing it more, Trout's doing it more, and maybe initially in that homestand against Boston and Miami where maybe it did not look like it was putting pen to paper and mm-hmm. nose to the grindstone and their work was going into their work during the game. But you're seeing it maybe a week later of Otani coming out of a slump. Ward, keep doing that. I don't care if you love being indoors and you don't want to be under the sunlight of Southern California and and the fans see you taking BP before the game, screw it, go out there, do your work. When I was growing up and Sosha was the manager of the angels constantly, every game gates open, people went down to the field and you saw the angels repping multiple rounds of BP. I remember seeing Vlad Guerrero, Albert Pujols, you know, big guys, going and doing batting practice. Mike Trout early on in his career was a constant for going, doing outdoor batting practice. And that changed, but now hopefully with things at the helm of the hitting side of things, that continues to be a constant. And and I don't want to say that's the sole remedy of this Angels offense this season, but it's better to see than last year of, oh, we'll take care of business. We'll we'll get to it. it. It's fine. Here's the tablet in the middle of the game. Look at it figure out what you did wrong and come back later. What is this? What is this? The education system in America? Yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> like, what is this? Figure out your own problems. I had a theory about that last year or when Madden was in charge and we didn't see any batting practice. I had a theory. I, I thought it was just Madden didn't want the weed smoke outside of the stadium. He wanted to keep it inside where it could just billow around and you could just bathe in the, the, the secondhand smoke of, of the pot, you know, filling the, uh, the air, the air, because it, he felt that if they were smoking bongs outside, the smoke would get out. You know what I mean? Like, and it was, you wouldn't be able to get the, the fresh vibe of the, of the, uh, what's it called? The grateful dead music. You know what I yep. mean? So the, the secrets would be revealed to the opposing team <laughs> and they figure out how to, you know, take out the angels in the, in that sense. But, you know, I love seeing the batting practice before we get back to the pitching as, as we, get closer to closing up shop here on, on another episode. Part one of episode number 16, Todd is the wonderful co-host in part one. David will be coming in in part two uh, in just a little bit. I want to talk about the Angels catching briefly because Logan Ohoppy was going to be our guy. I thought the Angels were going to give him a little more time to kind of cook at AAA, but with Stassi's personal family matters that are going on, we really don't know much from that. Oh, Hoppy got the opening day roster spot and he thrived right out of the gate. And then a very tough shoulder injury in New York, basically 
canceled out his season. Now there's reports he may be able to come back late August, early September. He's ahead in his rehab. So, you know, prayers up, heels up to Logan Ohapi. We love the guy. Um, you know, good to have him in the catching platoon. But uh, again, tip the cap right now to Matt Thice and Chad Wallach. They have done a phenomenal job holding the fort down because I think when Logan Ohapi went down, we all collectively said, oh, crap. Mm-hmm. This is not going to be good. That's going to be out. an easy out in our starting lineup. It's not going to be good because this is the moment now where Todd and I will eat crow. We were pretty much down and out on Matt Thice last year. His swing had holes in it. You really didn't know. He was kind of Jekyll and Hyde. He would hit a home run, but couldn't really catch very well. Couldn't really play first. Couldn't really play third. He was kind of a, a mishmash kind of 10 to 20 gamer on a Sunday afternoon. You'd see Matt Thice. All of a sudden, the guy's a power hitter in the running on Catella Chronicles for player of the month of May between Urshela himself and Chris Davinsky and Chad Wallach. He's hitting bombs. Mm -hmm. They are collectively batting over 300 as a catching tandem since April 21st when Logan O'Hoppy went down. We're surprised. We're going to eat crow about it. I'm pleasantly happy that this is the scenario and especially Wallach being that veteran kind of what we wish Kurt Suzuki was the last couple of years. Oh yeah. Even though Kurt wasn't great, he still had that veteran presence in the clubhouse with the catchers, which was nice to see, especially when Ohapi came up last September. Wallach has that, but he's got the bat to go with it. And that's been a pleasant surprise. And I'm 100% on board for this. Give me that all day. Yeah, I am too. Uh, I'm going to eat crow as well on that because, again, when Ohapi came out and people were saying, hey, man, you know, this this could be rookie of the year. And I was like, I don't know, don't, you know, pump your brakes, man. But then I saw him, the way he was hitting, the way he was just so professional, the way he handled the the staff. I'm like, man, all we need to do from Thice is not mess things up. And when Thice was out there, he, you know, he had that game against the Yankees where it was two – uh, you know, two catchers interferences that cost the Angels that game. And I'm like, God, this guy's so stupid. I started mocking him, started giving him the Spicoli voice like, oh, bro, I can't see because he looked, you know, he's squinting his eyes. And and like, I just I thought, man, we're going to be a joke. I was just like you. I thought we're going to be a joke because I thought they, we kind of screwed with Wallach last year towards the end of the season. He had that real brief two week uh, series where he caught the no hitter from Detmers and he caught a couple shutouts and you're like, man, this guy can call a really good game, but he just really can't hit all that good. They sent him down. They bring him up in September. He just doesn't do anything. And then you're thinking in spring training, he's not all that great. And you're like, man, you know, like he'd be good to just keep down there. Hopefully he could turn around. But if we go to him, it's going to be bad news. And lo and behold, Stassi news, like you said, Ohapi goes down and right away, Right away, it's like you the epitome of next man up clicked with these two guys. And Thice is not – we don't need him to hit home runs. So he wasn't. He was hitting line drives to center, singles, sacrifice flies, driving in runs, walking. Then Wallach, who's not known for his bat at all, comes up there, starts clubbing home runs, pinch hit singles. Uh, all of a sudden, he's going the other way, nearly winning a game on a walk-off, hitting a double. I mean, it's it's very, very – exhilarating to watch these two catchers take a role that should not have been theirs and run with it. If you really put it into perspective, Wallach and Thice may have saved us angel fans from jumping off a cliff (laughs) when Trout and Otani went and scuffled along with Ward. When your top three batters at the top of the order are scuffling for two consecutive weeks. And I think I saw a stat on Twitter that said, I forget how many games it it spanned across, but Trout and Otani combined nine for 59. I think that was coming into game two or before the Chicago White Sox series started. They were nine for 59. Thice, Wallach, Neto, the supportive pieces prevented us from jumping off the cliff and probably a lot of Angel fans from saying, sell Otani now, sell Otani now, get something in return, you know. We already knew coming into the season, and and this is one episode that I really don't strike me down. I really don't want to talk about that Otani situation, quote unquote, because we're going to hear about it all season long. And if, you know, as we get closer to the trade deadline, you know, every time the Angels lose a game, it's 
is this the day Otani asked for the trade or is this, I'm so, I'm so sick and tired of that conversation. I just want to talk about Otani. And right now it's been me positively talking about Otani pitching more than hitting, but today is a a phenomenal day to talk about Otani hitting, but Thyssen Wallach really helped that situation that we didn't think was going to be that case scenario back at the end of April. So good to see that again, encompassing everything with the offense. It's been a fantastic year for the offense. Get some guys extra hot, get Rendon healthy. They're projecting him to come back when they return home against the Cubs next Tuesday. If that happens, great. Fun thing about Rendon is he hits well in interleague play because he knows the National League so well. So that would, you know, that'd be an interesting case scenario. So offense, I'm happy with. On a scale of one to 10, just give me the number, Todd. Mm-hmm. What would you give the Angels' offensive grade through two months of the season on a scale of one to ten? Seven right now, okay. with with room to improve. Like like I'm, I'm positive, but you know they still got a little bit to go. But I, I know they have the talent in them, so that's why I give them a seven. I'm right along there with you. I'll bump it up just a little bit. I don't want to shoot for the stars too early in two months because we we you know. No offense, we saw how 2022 went after projecting after two months. (laughs) I'm going to give the offense a nice solid 7.7 out of 10. And I, you know, shame on me. I didn't tell you, uh, you know, decimals were allowed. You know, you, I gave you flat numbers, but seven out of seven because they're better than a seven. They're not quite an eight, but they're still a pinch better than seven and a half because when you have Trout, Otani, Ward, and these key players that we've seen get hot, hot, hot come into their own to the supporting pieces like Drury and Urshela and a resurgence of Walsh. This offense could be one of the top five potent offenses, not just in the American league, but in major league baseball. And that says a lot with big teams like the Astros and the Rangers and the Dodgers when they're hot, it, it, it can be that type of offense on a good day. Just got to get the pitching in line. Speaking of pitching final point here in, in part one of the podcast, don't want to end it on a negative note, but we'll take a negative and find a way to kind of find a silver lining in this one. Tyler Anderson. It has not been a glorious, jolly 2023 season for Tyler Anderson after finding a way to find a resurgence in his career with the Dodgers last year. Finds a way to find yet again a, his first loss, oddly enough, of the season on record with the Angels. He's 2-1. and one with a 5.47 ERA last night in game two against the White Sox, four innings, six runs on six hits, two walks, and three strikeouts. How worried are we about Tyler Anderson? And what is one thing he can fix in order to salvage something? Because remember, three years, 39 million. This isn't a one and done type of situation. I can tell you right now, my number one thing to change, stop allowing these pitchers to call their own pitches. I want the fans to look at me. Stop it. Our pitching coaches need to stop it. I don't care if you're Otani. I don't care if you're Verlander. I don't care if you're Tyler Anderson. Let the catchers do their job. And it's teamwork. There's no I in team, folks. Yeah, I, I would have to say one thing that a lot of people on the post game have been saying is, Maybe his high leg kick or the the hesitation side kick is has to do with him not being able to you know find the strike zone or be consistent, especially like you said too, calling his own pitches. Maybe it's got to be radioed into Thice on what to call or Wallach, and then on top of that, maybe he develops a slide step because with that pitcher's clock, who knows? Maybe he has a same. Maybe he has uh, a, uh, what do you call it? Um, Maybe he has a better time without the pitch clock, you know, like he did with the Dodgers last year, opposed to this year. I am concerned, though, with him because, again, we're paying him a lot of money. Yeah, he chalked up his first loss finally. We bailed him out a lot of times. He's also killed himself a lot of times with leads and giving up the uh, lead all of a sudden. You know, he's had a, a similar start to his season like Suarez where, you know, Suarez would get into about the third inning, maybe fourth inning, and then just give the other team a crooked number. Um, and, and I think that's the, that's been the problem with, with uh, you know, he's been in, in his own way, I think. he's He hasn't been able to develop a good strikeout pitch, so he hasn't been that strikeout pitcher. And with a shift gone too, 
they're hitting the ball where they ain't playing. And then not only that, most of the time, three walks is low for him. Usually he's around six walks, walking too many guys. So when you're not pinpointing your pitches, you're not striking out guys when you are ahead of them, you're giving up two out hits, you're not going to fare too well. So it's a, it's amazing that he is two and one, but that ERA speaks volumes. You know, like I told Fernando a number of times, if we can just get out of Anderson a 375 to a low 400 ERA for the year, I can deal with that. You know, like I didn't expect him to be in the twos like with the Dodgers. But man, oh man, he has not been pitching up to what we thought we were going to get. He brings me vibes of Andrew Heaney when he was. And and I hate to say that because, you know, on on MLB on Fox, they're, you know, they're promoting how how tough as nails the Rangers starting rotation's been like none of their starters over the last two weeks have given up two or more earned runs. And Heaney's responsible for like three of those starts. So it's like, huh interesting i wonder how that plays you know marsh success heaney success okay but anderson's given me off heaney vibes of get two outs can't get a final out the era between four and a half and five and a half and just doesn't have that close pitch like heaney had the not as deep as ryan dempster with the the adjustment of the glove but he always had that little i'm here boop, boop, and then started his delivery. Yep. Anderson has the leg kick. And I don't want to say it's Kershaw-esque because Clayton Kershaw is a different kind of leg kick. And clearly he's dominated his career because of it. But there's something I feel that's just a tad off. We've seen great Tyler Anderson this year, even though it was a loss, not for him, but for the team in that start against Milwaukee. That's mm-hmm. the kind of Tyler Anderson we need, you know, four out of every five starts. We all know, Otani's going to have a clunker every once in a while. Anderson will have a clunker, but we need to have that Tyler Anderson like we saw against the Brewers. So it's really hard for me to say what is exactly pinpointing Tyler Anderson's problems. I just chalk it up to the Andrew Heaney syndrome of too many walks, can't get the third strikeout. And it's, I honestly, I know this is a big thing with pitching right now. It's not a velocity thing. I know everybody said, oh, when velocity tips, you know, the pitchers, you know, his career's down the toilet like they kind of treated Jared Weaver with. I don't think it's velocity because there is some effective change-upness in Tyler Anderson's repertoire. I really think it's pitch selection and trusting what he's got, and maybe it is the shift in the pitch clock situation. Some, You know, there are pros for batters, and maybe there's some negatives for some pitchers. It's hard to pinpoint. You know, we're not pitching coaches. We can just, you know, say what we see. And I feel it's a little bit of the Andrew Heaney syndrome. I, I'm go along with your point. I think, too, the pitch selection big time because he's one of the, the most biggest offenders on this team that drives Gooby crazy. Could you listen to the Angels uh, on Bally's? Gooby just can't stand when guys have two strikes on a, on a, on a hitter and they're throwing something down the middle or curving down the middle. And and he's one of the biggest offenders of I don't trust my stuff. I'm not going to throw something. And, you know, you don't have to waste a pitch, but you have to throw something that's going to tell away or outside or, cra- or, or crowd the guy inside and try to pinpoint your pitch that way. He Anderson's one of these guys that just – he gives up those two out hits and those two strike hits because, like you said, poor pitch selection. Like every time he does that, you're like, what is he thinking? And for Gooby to come on the telecast, who's usually – you know, he's he's got his halo honk in his hand and he's ready to go. He's upbeat, but he will say, man, when a pitcher makes a mistake like that or does something that he can easily change and to benefit himself, he's going to call him out. And Tyler Anderson's been called out on more than one occasion. Yeah, absolutely. To get Gooby on a non-politically correct kind of jokesome mentality, that tells you something's going on. And it's not a detriment to Tyler Anderson in the sense of, oh my God, you know, this is the end. Go retire, hang up your cleats. No, it's just we're all noticing something. And with Gooby being a pitcher, a, a terrific caliber pitcher back in his day, he can notice those small details that I just talked about that we can't maybe see on a pitch by pitch basis. So figure that out. And I think Anderson can still have a very strong key role in this rotation. You know, Otani's in it, Sandoval, Detmers, Anderson. 
it's that back end. I've been personally thrilled with uh, Griffin Canning so far. I didn't think we were going to see him much this year, maybe not until the second half. He got healthy quick. They threw him trial by fire, and so far it's been working. His ERA is a little high, but he is giving us length. And that was something in the offseason I talked about why I was really a proponent of Michael Lorenzen coming back, even though he went to Detroit. I wanted those guys in the rotation that would give us six innings on a consistent basis. And Canning right now is giving us six plus innings each time he's going out. So when push comes to shove, and we've seen now two consecutive starts for Jaime Berea, where he has been dominant, five innings against the Red Sox, and another five innings today, 10 innings of, I think, two run baseball in that sense, you know, two earned runs. Not just one. Just one earned run. So, yeah, yeah, that's right, because Boston, yeah. When you look at it in a bigger scope, I really think there is no room and no way the Angels can allow Jose Suarez to (laughs) touch a baseball in the starting rotation. When he gets healthy, if you want to throw him out in the bullpen and kind of bring him back a little bit and see if we can muster up something out of Suarez, fine. If you for oh, if you allow him back in the starting rotation over Canning or even over Berea, I, I throw the philosophy book out the window. I can't deal with it because I am completely content with Canning and Berea being in this rotation. If that's your six-man rotation, I am one hundred percent fine with it right now. Give me it in full force, and we'll kind of see what Suarez has. He's got no options. I don't know if they'll DFA him. But if, if you're going to DFA a guy like Ryan Tapera, the, the timing has to be coming up once Suarez is healthy. And if he has two, three, or four bad outings out of the bullpen, and with the bullpen getting stronger, as we've already mentioned, with Joyce, Estevez, um, Davinsky, more when he's healthy, hands-off approach. Do not give him a ball in the starting rotation. Please, I know that's your boy. You wanted him for comeback. I'm going to, I'm going to put some crow on you boy for right now. <laughs> no, b- believe me. I put on 10 pounds of crow with that one. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll just say this, uh, you know, Suarez can be good in, in small doses. I thought he was ready for the big time of the rotation. He didn't live up to it, but I will say this uh, to go along with your point. I would not put him back into the rotation as much as I pumped them up. I'm going to pump my own brakes, but I look at it this way. If we can DFA loop, and you have your only lefties in the bullpen would be Moore and Suarez, I think that would be good. You use Moore in high-pressure situations. You use Suarez in mid-relief or if you need a couple outs, uh, you know, sixth or seventh inning. To go along with the other arms they got in that bullpen, you know, if Tucker Davidson has to be a casualty, you send him down, you DFA him, then so be it. Both those guys are pitching to seven ERAs. I know Suarez's ERA was high, but I think, in, like I said, in small doses – I think Suarez can be effective. I will say this. Davidson, I believe, has more options than Suarez because Suarez has no more. Yeah, he's out. So you have that opportunity to send Davidson down if that situation arises. And, of course, you also have the opportunity of sending Sam Bachman back down because I don't think Bachman, out of the the double-A guys that have come up early and often this season – I think Bachman is the most expandable out of the bunch because normally he's a starter. I don't think they want to call him up and only have him throw once a week and hurt his development. So I don't see Bachman staying up for too, too long until maybe Suarez gets back in the exchange roles. So that's where the option part of things can benefit Suarez in the cases of Davidson and Bachman. So I will take a flyer on Suarez out of the bullpen when healthy in that Davidson kind of role, middle relief, low pressure situation in a blowout game like today. I'll take it. Let's see what we can work with. And maybe having the starting pressure off of Suarez may help him out. And he always has been a great two to three inning type of guy. And then he just didn't have longevity. So maybe you just create a role for him and it works out. He has some nasty repertoire pitches. It's nothing against his stuff. It's just he's very loosey-goosey when it comes to that. So for me, rotation-wise, let's leave it where it's at. Don't mess with ain't what it ain't broke. And Berea is rolling right now. 
Canning is rolling and he's workable right now. Everybody else, you already know they're going to have a spot in the rotation in Otani, Sandoval, Detmers, and Anderson. Anderson just got to work on a few things. He's a savvy veteran. I think he can figure it out at this point. 100% agree with you. Yeah. So, like we said, there's many storylines to go about this Angels season right now. They finished the month of May 15 and 13. And through two months of the year, congratulations, three games over 500, 30 and 27, roughly around five and a half to six games back in the AL West right now behind Houston and the Texas Rangers, who've been hot all year. And guess what? Angels are going to Houston now for a big four-game series. I know when this podcast is out, it'll be probably halfway through that four-game series, so it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Well, the day off next Monday, a big, big homestand, three against the Cubs and three against the Seattle Mariners. It's going to be very interesting to see some interleague play in. So we'll see what happens. Hopefully the Angels can start June better, get some guys who struggle in May, like Renfro, on a hot streak, keep Trout, Otani, and Ward hot. They table set and keep those supporting players doing supporting player things of keeping the lineup lengthened. And maybe we might even get lucky and Anthony Rendon will emerge from the dugout without saying, I'm feeling amazing and walking away and he'll actually play a game in the month of June. It'll be, it'll be fun to see what happens. But uh, Todd, thank you for coming on in and being a co-host here in part one of episode number 16 on the Catella Chronicles podcast. Thank you, sir. Much appreciated for having me on. And of course, follow everything, not just Todd, but the entire Halos in the infield crew. They have done some phenomenal work. I am privileged to have Catella Chronicles under the Heaty umbrella. They're sponsored by 714 Tickets. Noble Ale Works is a part of them as well. All the fun things going on with Halos in the infield. Check them out on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. Todd does fantastic post-game shows. The one and only James does fantastic pre-game shows. Everything you need, follow them. They're everywhere. Just type in Halos in the infield and you will find the laundry litmus test of things <laughs> that they have. Um, don't forget, June 9th, the live stream. Todd and I will be in the Todd Fox Studios and calling the Angels versus Mariners game on Friday, June the 9th. It's on Apple TV+. Plus. But we want you, the fans, to have a forum where you can chat, interact with us, and we will be calling the game live. We can't officially show you the game on Apple TV due to legal rights, but we'll have the running score on the bottom. We'll have the comments. We'll have the promotions. And Todd and I doing play-by-play and color commentary. We did it once last year. It was successful. Not the game, but us. It was successful. But we're going to do it again this time live in person. We want you to be there. It will be on the Heaty YouTube page on Friday, June the 9th. We're going to be posting about it over the next week. So like, comment, and subscribe and share that to everybody you know that is an Angel fan. But for right now, part one of episode number 16 is in the books. David and I will be coming up with part two of this episode 16 podcast. We're going to dive into some more Angel stuff. We'll maybe talk about some duck stuff. We'll see where the conversation takes us. But for now, I'm Dominic Lorenz. This is Catella Chronicles. You can find us at www.catellachronicles.wordpress.com and on Twitter and Instagram at Catella underscore C-H-R-O-N. We're the heartbeat of pro sports in Anaheim. And until next time, and or I should say until part two with David Goodkind back in the co-host seat, I'm Dominic Lorenz and cheers to you for now.